0: folks. It's Thursday. I'm Fred McMurray. It's 4 p.m. Central. This is Pillars of Franchising, and I'm not in Shell Beach. I'm here with my co-host, Ray Pillar, in the headquarters of Molly Maid, Aurora Naperville, in beautiful Aurora.
1: It is beautiful. It's the city of lights. It's
0: also the city of Wayne's World, wasn't
1: it? it it it, it is, it, absolutely. <laughs> and so, welcome to Wayne's World. Party on, Garth. Party on. <laughs> I forget who the other one was. Mike, whatever.
0: Wayne. So, oh, and Garth. yeah. You're, 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 guests can't talk yet. Can't, guests can't talk yet. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, all right, folks. For those of you listening. The weather here is cold, no, sunny, and clear. 48 degrees. Beautiful.
1: Ah, clear. The sun is shining. Unfortunately, it's going down right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be 32 tonight.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then I think I heard more rain tomorrow. Every time I, and yesterday I got to spend driving on expressway and driving rain, it made me know why I enjoy coming back here. I get to enjoy it from time to time, but not every day. (laughs) So, on a a quick note, uh, last week we had given out a shout-out to uh, everyone in the Denver area. Um, Looking for our uh, friend Mike Bowler. Uh, Please, if you've seen him, call the Denver police. Um, He's still missing, and right now, alien abduction isn't off the list. So, on the next topic, Fred, what month is this?
1: This is October. And what is October? What month is this? Well, besides a lot of other things, uh, the, the thing that uh, this franchise recognizes in October is domestic violence awareness, which is something that this franchise has been involved in for the last 15 years. And I also need to make mention that next month it will be 15 years, uh, towards, right near Thanksgiving, that we open our doors. And we have been involved in that for the last 15 years, w- which is the Miss Molly Foundation, which supports domestic violence awareness. And you have a special local uh organization you support, correct? That is correct. We support Mutual Ground, and their walk is this Sunday. So if you are in the area of... I can't think of the name of the park, right? <laughs> 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 anyway, Google it. It's at the Mutual Ground, um, and their walk starts at 8 o'clock on Sunday. Now,
0: I believe the website is MutualGround.org for those listening. Yes. So, They've got their walk. Hopefully Michelle Myers is the, not hopefully she's the CEO, but she is the executive director. So we hope to get her on um, within the next couple of weeks. We do. So then let's bring our first guest on. Uh, And who's our first guest,
1: Ray? Our first guest is the famous (laughs) Kristen Chamezzi.
0: And I'm glad he said the last name because I always bit, butcher it, and she always pokes it.
2: Say hello. Good afternoon. So, how are you all uh, today?
0: Word has, word has it that, like, you're a person to know within the Miss Molly Foundation.
2: How? Hmm. Well, as far as a person to know, I'm not sure how I got that reputation, but I will tell you that. Um, Very similarly to Ray, uh, we've been supporting that particular mission uh, and the Ms. Molly Foundation being that since we opened our doors in 2007. Um, This past year, I did volunteer to be on the board, so I am a proud board member of the Ms. Molly Foundation. Uh, The foundation started in 1996, so it's going strong for over 32 years. Uh, So far, we have collected as an organization over $2 million. Uh, and have su- helped support hundreds of safe houses across the United States.
1: Wow, yes.
0: So, what is, you also, as Ray does, support a local organization, don't you?
2: I do. Actually, um, over the past 12 years, we've supported two different foundations, um, one being Family Shelter Services um, out of. Um, I'm so sorry I'm having the, the blanks today, out of Wheaton, Illinois, and then the other is Stepping Stones out of Roselle, Illinois. And they both kind of dovetail into one another um, in what they do for the victims of domestic violence. For example, Family Shelter Services helps um, support the victim as soon as they get out of the situation, when it's a very volatile time, and they help them find legal support, they help them find shelter, they make sure that they have food and clothing. And Stepping Stones actually picks up sort of where Family Shelter Services um, leaves off, and that's as the uh, women and their children are ready to go back into the workplace and they just need some help learning how to balance checkbooks, they need uh, maybe some additional clothing, they need some furniture. Uh, Stepping Stones, rather, supports them by providing apartments at reduced rent rates um, and so we've kind of moved from one shelter to another, and we kind of ebb and flow back and forth, just depending on who's needing what help. Uh, at the time, Stepping Stones is a little bit smaller than Family Shelter Services, and so that's the one I've been working with most recently.
0: Great. She's got your beat. Two shelters to that's one. Cool. I
1: know. <laughs> I got a feeling this is going to be a continuing trend on this show. Well, we don't have, I believe um, – Mutual Ground supports a wide area other than just Aurora, so I'm not exactly yeah. sure what other shelters are in the area. Uh, but one of the things that, uh, besides all the things that uh, Kristen had mentioned, that one of the things that uh, Mutual Ground does is they do offer counseling services for people who are just getting into this negative situation to see if, if, if the relationship is salvageable. And that is definitely preferred. Uh, then, you know, letting it get to a point where uh, they actually need, you know, they, which could be anyone in the the family, uh, need uh, to be sheltered, to need to get out of the situation. So uh, if there is an abusive situation that is just starting, uh, it is advised for people to call and, and see if there's counseling available for that.
2: It's, it's very interesting. Um, I, just recently, um, DuPage County has a must-arrest protocol. And I think the great thing about that is sometimes it takes everything that the victim has just to make a phone call kind of in the heat of the moment. And it used to be that before the officer would make an arrest or before charges were pressed, the victim had to be strong enough or willing, brave enough, if you will, to come forward. And now with this must arrest protocol, they must arrest the, um, the perpetrator, if you will, um, if there's probable cause that a crime has been committed, which I think is great because sometimes really all you can muster up is the courage to make a 911 call. And in in these particular situations, if the officer walks in and there's evidence that there's either blood or bruises or a phone's ripped off the wall, or even if the suspect starts telling the officer, well, you know, I lost my temper, but she deserved it, or you should have heard what she said, or whatever that case might be, the officer is required now to arrest the um, one who committed the crime And I think that is a great move for the county to make because a lot of times these victims are very scared and they don't know what's going to happen next or where they're going to go. And so this kind of helps push the envelope a little bit to give him and or or her and or sometimes him that few hours day or so to kind of get their thoughts about them on where they're going to go and what they're going to do next. And like Ray said, reach out to some shelters. Often the police departments will provide them with phone numbers of the local shelters. And um, I'm sure, I know that uh, family shelter services reaches far out as well as does um, the one that Ray uses and as does a couple of the franchises to my north, Wings. They all kind of, um, I will say they they kind of cross territory lines, so to speak. There's some go through DuPage, some go to Will, some go to Cook counties. So there's there's help out there for everybody, irrespective of you know what the shelter name is and which county you happen to be in.
1: I'd like to uh, mention something here. Um, one of the most the or maybe the most difficult thing a police officer walks into is a domestic violence situation, because he's in a situation where he's damned if he does and damned if he don't. So if, if there's violence happening when he walks into the situation and he happens to hurt the perpetrator, then he's more than likely to get attacked by, by the, uh, the spouse. And it's, it's a very difficult situation for the police. So, uh, I, and I didn't know uh, what uh, DuPage County has come up with, but I think that's probably a good idea because in most cases, if asked, the spouse will say, no, don't arrest him. Uh, Uh But that only sometimes, you know, uh, makes the situation worse. So,
0: So, all right. So my question is this. I was actually in discussion about what actually does domestic violence entail? So is it just uh, one spouse abusing another spouse or is it something greater than that?
2: It's a lot greater than that, and it's not even just physical. I mean, in in looking at, you could go like, for example, I'm on Stepping Stones, um, Roselle.org's website um, earlier today, and when you, and it's just simply so I don't miss any points. But it's not just physical violence. It's threats. It's emotional abuse. Some people do it through monetary withholding, so um, they don't allow the victim to have access to any money unless you know, things go their way. Um, Some of it's done by stalking. Um, They're often people who have children. Most commonly they're they're women. Um, I think the saddest few points for people to understand is that domestic violence doesn't have an income level. It doesn't target just lower income. It's It goes to very high income levels, there's no economic or social lines that it doesn't cross, Um, and a lot of it is learned at home. And so if there are children in the home, and many times there are, um, it's very likely that those children will repeat that behavior as they become adults. Even in dating, they're seeing numbers skyrocket um, for domestic violence in teenagers that are dating, which is crazy to me. Mm
1: That's true. It is carried forward. And in other words, if, if, if they see it at home, it's carried on in the rest of their lives, unfortunately. And, and that's how it, it's almost like a, a germ <laughs> once you have it.
0: So what, and I'll ask this to both of you, since you've um, been, I don't know, uh, working on this great cause of domestic violence awareness, Uh, to help end domestic violence, not domestic violence awareness, as Mm -hmm. I was schooled on last week by my co-host. What has been, the, uh, I guess, the example in your life that made you most proud to be helping?
2: Kristen. (laughs) Um, Thanks for putting me on the spot first. So my family... It's okay. I think we briefly talked about this in the past. So, my family has um, issues with generational uh, domestic violence, usually related to alcohol, that goes back a few different generations and has skipped a few. Um, So, that kind of started it. And then, as a domestic violence victim myself, well before um, I bought into Molly Made and learned about the resources available, that was something, you know, now I look at this and go, wow, I wish we had had that kind of support back then, but it wasn't there. And it wasn't anything that was talked about. And so as I now have a daughter and I have a lot of um, lady friends who are single and they have daughters, um, I want to make sure that I'm doing whatever little piece I can to make things better for domestic violence victims after me, if that makes sense.
1: I think, for me, the key word is awareness. It is one of the things that people do not want to discuss, even though it probably touches every single person you know one way or another. It's always swept under the rug. Don't talk about it. And when you don't talk about it, people don't know that there is help available. And uh, I became involved with uh, the awareness part when I was a member of the JCs a long time ago, and I saw some of the results of the, the violent part, physical violent part, in that uh, the JCs were in charge of keeping the safe house safe and repaired, and uh, just about every week there was some damage to the door uh, as people tried to get in and. Uh, Take care of their situation. So, uh, a number of years later, um, we were looking. Uh, when my wife and I were looking for a franchise, we wanted something that gave back to the community. And uh, when I learned about the Smiley Foundation and uh, what they were doing, it seemed to fit right in, and something I already knew something about. So, um, and it, and again. Like I said before, it's it, it, the fact that nobody wants to talk about it is something that I, I want to bring out in the open more and make sure that everybody knows that there is help available for everyone they, they know in going out on estimates, to, to do estimates, just mentioning it. And I've had you know potential clients just break down in tears and talk about their sister or their neighbor or, or someone like that. Uh, and uh, it, it's really heartwarming.
0: So what you're saying is is you want to talk about what people aren't talking about. Yes. Mission accomplished, folks. <laughs> so with that one, I want to remind our listeners you can call us at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. Please stay on the line because we've had a couple people drop off. Please stay on the line until we open up for questions. Uh, we want to thank the Link Local Network for uh, hosting us. And A word from our first sponsor. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of The Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. Our friend, Holly A. Ford. Holly, have you read that book?
3: I have read that book. You asked me last time. You called me out on it, and, and, yeah, I did read the book. It's an excellent book.
0: Okay, so how, who, who do I get to talk to to get a copy? Ray wants to read it. I want to read it. Um, so who do I have? I
3: have a couple copies. I'm, I'll mail them to you this week. How's that? <laughs> right. I want one, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, you get one, too, Kristen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. All
0: right. Yeah, so, sure thing. So, since we have since we stopped um, uh, since we stopped on Domestic Violence Awareness Month, um, I wanted to see if you had any uh, insight or thoughts on on uh, that we actually needed Domestic Violence Awareness Month.
3: And yeah, if not, I, that's fine. I do. I I can I can make a few comments. Um, I, you know, obviously this is this is a really serious um, uh, problem. I. I hear everything that you're doing with the safe shelters and, you know, it would be interesting to see if we could get a foundation together that could empower women to purchase franchises um, that they could have an independence and begin, um, begin a new, a new life. Um, A lot of female climate climate clients that come to me are, are women that, you know, have to be home when their kids get home from school, but they want to work. Um, they want they want to uh, be home, maybe with their younger ones when they're when they're really small, and they don't want to be in the workplace. They want to take care of the house, and you know I think um, a woman should be um, respected for those choices. I think our children really benefit when the women are are caring for their children. Um, I I um, give you a little background. Um, I actually. Uh, My husband died a few years ago from cancer, and my youngest at that time was was one, so I had some small children and had no idea what to do. Um, I sold everything to get by for a little while, and then um, I ended up working outside of the house for a little bit. I had a little one with some health issues, Um, although she's fantastic right now. um, It was, was, in a way, it was a tough situation, but, you know, I... Um, I had some flexibility, you know, where I was, uh, I decided to go ahead and start my own business. So like a franchise, although it was an independent startup, it's um, it's, it's still a similar um, big leap. And although in my marriage I was not abused, I definitely see, um, I you know, I didn't do my own budget. I didn't do my own money. I did, you know, some side freelance work to pay for vacations. So, it was a big, big, big change in my life to go from that and to walk away from a very lucrative job into um, starting my own business. I don't regret a day of it. I'm home with my children. I do, you know, go out of the office a lot, but I can also be there, can be flexible. It's very similar to that of a franchise. So when you see these women who are, I, I feel strongly that, you know, they're a victim of domestic violence or, um, you know, even just Women that would would like to assert more independence, I think a franchise is a fantastic way, um, especially one that has um, a semi-executive ownership where they can hire and, and get people in place, and they're they're overseeing the business, and they they their hours are, are flexible like that. Um, I I just I see, you know, Kristen and and, and Fred and I just see that there could be something that could happen with your foundation that would maybe help, um, you know. Make, a, make an agreement, make a liaison with the SBA and, and really help some of these these victims to get started to get that independence back and, and have their their, um, their own lives back
0: so that's actually been one of my theories is that um, uh, I, I've often heard from the domestic violence survivors that they felt locked in because they had no. Finance. They had no access to money. And to me, in my torturably chaotic brain, thought, well, if finances are the issue, then they should have their own business. And um, since a franchise is easier to get up and running in a shorter period of time than a, as you called it, a standalone business, then helping women buy franchises is part of the solution to wiping out domestic awareness, at least in Fred's tortured brain. Kristen, your thoughts and ladies
2: uh, I, first. I think that you, I, I do think it's a great idea. Um, you know, obviously franchising is not free, and it can be very uh, intimidating depending on the type of franchise. So when you're in that situation, you know, I, I really liked a um, foundation that could help women who were victims get on their feet through opening businesses. And obviously there's, there are certainly some resources out there. The WSBA happens to just be a very popular one that comes to mind that specializes in women in small business. And so that's a resource. But if you're dealing with somebody who really... Has maybe limited skill sets. They've been a stay-at-home mom. They find themselves as victims, or you know, or maybe even as, as Holly mentioned, someone who loses a spouse and now all of a sudden here they are, and and they have nowhere to go. You know, I made my decision to open my franchise because I, too, had three small children and wanted to be able to be home. And I have to tell you, for me, it was the best decision I could have made for me and my family. But it wasn't an easy decision, and I had some funding from my previous um, career to put towards the franchise. So it is a real – you know. Services that help women or people in general find the right franchise based on their assets, based on what they have liquid to work with, are very, very valuable. Um, I, I can't express that enough because you can start a franchise for very little capital or you can spend a whole lot of money. Um, and, and so you, it's really important to find not only what you can afford and not get frustrated by it because there are resources and find what works for you and what you're going to feel passionate about and what's going to, you know, make your life feel in balance and more complete. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and uh, I, I, I
3: want add heck, to add
1: to what Kristen said there, was, uh, that in your, I think that. sorry. I, uh, I think uh, it's a good I, I was looking Hi. up some statistics just, just for the heck of it. And uh, the statistics I pulled up uh It says, on average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner. One in three women and one in four men are victims of some sort of physical violence. One in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. One in seven women and 18 men have been stopped uh, sometime in their lifetime. And a typical day, more than 20,000 phone calls are placed to domestic violence hotlines nationwide. So, you know, it's real, it's out there. And don't, I don't, you know, being of the male persuasion, I just don't want people to think it's just women that are affected by this. It is also uh, sometimes men. Yep. So,
0: obviously, um, domestic violence. Violence is not, at least as far as I can tell, not the primary driver of the, as Forbes says, uh growing, uh, growing ownership of franchise ownership by women that, according to, I think, a 2017 IFA, International Franchise Association
2: uh, survey,
0: uh, they cited that women franchise ownership is up to 30.6%. Uh, which is 8% eight percent uh, since I think twenty twelve. What do you think mm-hmm. is the drivers behind this increase of female ownership,
2: Kristen? Are you talk-
3: okay? I yeah. think part of it is,
2: a- yeah. Go ahead, Holly. I'll let you go first. That's fine.
3: No, 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 Kristen. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> I th- we're also polite. I think part of it is accessibility of information. Um, I would be remiss not to share my own opinion. I think that when the economy was low and there was a lot of focus and attention on women going back to school and taking college classes and making that very accessible to people, I think that really um, got people who maybe weren't necessarily interested in doing something like that, got them engaged in the idea. I think so many people in the recession being um, put out of work um, really put people in a situation where they figured out you know, they have to do something and set themselves up in a way that they controlled their destiny, not a corporation. And so in my own opinion, and especially when you look at the years in which they're measuring in this article, we were right in the prime of you know, trying to dig our way out of that recession. And so I think that is what really drove some of those numbers. I mean, you look at between 2017 and 2016, women-owned firms increased by 45%. I mean, that's right in the thick of us digging our way out. So,
4: mm-hmm.
3: um, you know, I just I wanted to add a couple things that Kristen talked about earlier, and one was um, when we talked about the you know franchising for somebody who's a victim of domestic violence. Um, you know, she did mention you know appropriately that a lot of these women don't have the skill sets to do this. Um, but you know, that's why a franchise is so good for someone in this situation, because they they can make a good amount of money and support the family, and they have a blueprint to follow. So so you know a franchise you know good franchises if you get you know um, you know the broker that's going to find the right the right opportunity you will have you will have everything laid out all of the training done everything is. Is really put together well for you. You still have to have some business skills and things like that, but a lot of that is taught to you by the franchisor. So I think it might be a really good answer. And then, you know, hopping on what she just said, um, the percent of women in the, in the workforce, um, this is kind of, I think, really important. Um, mothers in the workforce in 1950 was you know just over 10%. And then, of course, in 2010, we were, were we're hitting almost 70%. Then we jump up again. So this is still a growing trend. You know, 100% of women of mothers are not in the workforce. In fact, um, married women in the workforce are lower than mothers. Believe it or not, the number of married women in the, in the workforce, um, you know, are a good six percent lower than mothers. So. Um, you know, we we have we have. I think that's a, a big reason why the franchising percentage has gone up because literally we are putting, you know, more more women are getting into the into the workforce.
1: Ray, what do you think? Women. I, I, I wanted to ask Kristen, um, how many uh, owners of Mono maids are uh, primarily female? Ooh. You know.
2: That's a great question. I wish I had the answer off the top of my head. I can tell you based on the people that I've met, it's it's far less, I think, than you might guess. It's certainly not 50%. I'm surprised we don't have more. But I think some of that's overshadowed by we have a lot of couples that buy. If you look at my franchise, yeah. it's my husband and I, but but my husband has nothing to do with the business. It's it's mine. And so um, you'd almost probably have to drill down beyond who owns it and look at who who owns and runs? Do you know what I'm saying? You know, because so, for years it was you and Martha, but you ran it. And then, you know, my mine is the opposite. We own it, but I run it. So, um, why is that? Kristen? Uh, why is that? You mean why do I run mine and why does he not?
4: Yeah.
2: Or why? Why do you find it split? I mean, I I think. You find that for various reasons, that, you know. And Ray, I don't want to speak out of turn in, in a situation of yours. I, I don't want to misspeak on it. But you know, if I, I recall a conversation in Ray's situation where his job was downsized, eliminated. And he chose to leave. Whatever, mine was not any of those. I chose to leave my. My job, I loved as as a retail person, as retail manager, because I just couldn't handle and balance the work life commitment when ha- when I had children. And so for me, I need I knew I couldn't stay at home. I wanted to be with my kids, but I didn't want to be a stay at home mom. And so for for us to afford and have the resources available to buy a, a Molly Maid franchise, we went in on it together. But my husband kept his job. He kept the um, health insurance and his 401k, and I leveraged all of mine to buy our business. So there are multitudes of reasons I think that people do what they do, but at the end of the day, I think the one thing we all share is a vision to be completely in control of our destiny. You know, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I walk into my office one day and my box is packed and the company's, you know, moving, or they've eliminated a position. I don't want to be a victim of downsizing. And, um, you know, we were lucky slash unlucky in opening our franchise just as the economy dumped in 2007, 2008, some would say even 2009. Um, The good news, bad news is everyone in my job that I had, um, at least in the support area, they all lost their jobs as I was building a company. So, um, you know, I think it's all about being kind of in control of your own destiny, in my opinion.
0: So Holly, what would you say when you deal with women who want to buy a a franchise? Is it because they're being downsized or they want something more work-life balance or, um, they're just want the business in the box?
3: You know, honestly, I, I would love to say, especially because what we're doing is such an, a great awareness show, that there is a differentiation. But when women come to me, I really hear the same reasons that men come to me. They want to control their own destiny, as Kristen so adequately um, stated just a minute ago. Um, but also, they, they're they looking for a change. They want um, they want, you know, to to go into an area maybe that they've always been interested in, and they they would like to have their own. You know, women are looking in retirement. They they are um, they are trying to do the work life balance struggle. You know, again, women with children. I I've had men come to me that have. Similar, you know, situations The wife is making so much, she's got a great corporate Job and he wants to start a business because he wants To be home with his kids, so it Really is um, Not as gender specific When they come to me as, as You would think, however um, I do still want to tie that in That it really um, they, they definitely, the reason For coming is not necessarily because they want To be home with their kids more um, But the the outset Of that extra benefit is um, it really um, kind of puts them over the top. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yep.
1: Definitely. I, one of the things that uh, the theme that keeps on popping up is control, and I think that from in from my perspective, I needed more control over my life. Uh, I was laid off three times, but in and one of the jobs I had, uh, I was. Uh, you know, let go for downsizing reasons. And then they hired me back. <clears throat> and they said, Well, we want you to go out now and fire all the all of your 35 employees. I said, How do you expect me to do that? He said, Well, just get on the phone and call them and tell them to fire. And I said, No, you can't do that to people. Uh, they did it to me, of course, but that, that's irrelevant. So I felt I needed more control over how i treated employees how i treated uh my potential clients and my life and that is one of the reasons or that is several of the reasons control that i went with the uh, the franchise because
0: and that's a great segue point that we'll go to the next question but before we answer that question I want to remind our listeners they can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. And a word from another sponsor.
3: Hey, franchise owners. Does the marketing that corporate provides for your franchise go far enough? Do you struggle to get local clients to call or come through your door? At Mediavine Marketing, we love working with franchises like yours to personalize and localize your marketing efforts through social media sites like Facebook or Instagram, in emails to your current and past customers, with Facebook or Google ads, and whiteboard animation videos. Contact Mediavine Marketing today at 805-265-5440 or go to MediavineMarketing.com. That's 805-265-5440. Mediavine Marketing. We know franchises and we want to help yours grow.
0: And next month, Ray and I will talk about how whiteboard animations on domestic violence awareness month are hated by Facebook. But not this (laughs) month. So, um, and folks, if you want to know what I mean, go to uh, Ray's Facebook page or even Kristen's Facebook page and find the domestic violence awareness whiteboard animation and leave a comment. Um, We'll talk about that one next month. So the question that um, Ray was alluding to was employee management and how he he wanted to have control over um, how he took care of these people. And I know, Kristen, talking with you, uh, how you hype HR skills or people management skills are high on your list of of, um, superpowers. So... The question I want to ask both of you, ladies, and you can go first, Kristen, is how women manage people differently from men. Ooh, good question.
2: (laughs) Ooh, I stepped in gum. Uh, That's funny because I always um, joke with my dad about the whole Mars and Venus thing and how we are so different, yet, you know, when you talk about business, we're kind of looking for the same things. I I think it, it kind of depends on... Um, the type of person you are. I mean, there's certainly plenty of men that I know that run franchises like ours who have fantastic skills in working with women um, and employees and coaching and counseling. Um, so I, I, I think that most women, and, again, this is very stereotypical, right, because not all women um, have strong people skills. I don't know that it necessarily has so much to do with what gender you are, more of just what personality you have. I mean, anybody can be trained on the law. Anybody can be trained on, you know, conflict management. Those are classes we've trained for years. But um, the ability to um, be open and uh, have good listening skills and communication skills, those those are things that, Some people have them some people don't some can be trained some just quite frankly can't and so um, from a female perspective and in this particular category um, that we own all of our employees are females and so all so in the morning it sounds like a very crazy hen house in here and i constantly have to say enough gossip let's stop um, the nice thing is that we all really understand one another. We all know that we're all going through the same struggles. We're all trying to juggle a household, husband, children, bills. You know, So there's a certain sense of camaraderie. Um, but I can't say that that's necessarily the magic formula because, as I said, I know plenty of men who can manage this type of workforce just as well as I can.
1: Uh, I, I need to comment on that simply because I, I know where my skills are, and and it is not relating to females. <laughs> so Mars Venus. Uh, uh, I, uh, I right from the uh, the one of the the first person I hired was a manager, uh, a woman, and because I knew that I could not directly relate to that, but. Um, At the same time, I I feel that it it, – let me step back just a little bit. Martha needed to work – my wife needed to work uh, at her job just like your husband works today um, at, uh, you know, (laughs) I've mentioned it before, there are many, many times where her paycheck went uh, to pay our employees. uh, Uh And when we started – But, you know, hiring the manager, I think, uh, because I I recognized early where my skills were and where my deficits were. And I felt that dating to the opposite sex was not one of my skills. It was definitely a a, a deficit. But it has worked out. Uh, I have been truly blessed with some great, fantastic managers that uh, are, are loved by, our, our, you know, all of our other employees who work well with them. They have a strong enough personality that uh, that they can, you know, say what needs to be done, but they're still loved by, uh, you know, our field workers. So yeah, I think so
2: that's, the, I think oh, in our business.
1: Oops. So let's let Holly now
0: ask the question. And then get picked on. So,
4: <laughs> Holly,
0: how are women different in managing people than men?
3: You know, I think it's a really interesting question. and There's so much going on right now, as you know, in our country that there's a lot of um, polarity on this issue. Um, I have worked with fantastic women, and I have worked with fantastic men. And I don't mean... To go and sit on the bench on this one because I know it is, it's, a, it's a very, very important issue. Um, but I can tell you that um, we all manage with different skill sets, and I, I agree with Kristen. Um, I, I, I deal with men differently than I deal with women, I have to tell you. But I deal with different men differently than others. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I really, I really feel that it's all about the vision. Um, you have a leader in your company, whether it's a male or a female, and they're able to cast a vision that that feels and empowers all of your employees within that company. You have a powerful leader, um, regardless um, of, of the day to day. You're gonna, you're gonna have things where you don't get along and you do get along um but i think there there's a, something there's a, there's a big step and a leap that you have to go to if you are a manager or a leader and that is it's that leap into someone else it's a leap into somebody else's shoes it's that big first step and and we, by by seeing the value of each employee you know there's there are there are employees that maybe you know the book that maybe should get off the bus, and there are employees that just need to move <laughs> around. To so so if we can if we can get in there and we can get into their mind and see the skill sets that person really brings to the table, I don't think communication's an issue because you're going to go after the heart of that person to bring them into the into the vision. Now, um, when you manage hard and you try to fit the square peg in the round hole, whether you're male or female, I think you're going to have difficulties. <laughs> Um, with that being said, that's, that's my vision for that, and that's, that's what I've experienced. Um, I have been with em- employers that, um, you know, being a female in a, in a very male environment, um, I, I had some challenges. Um, and, but what I found that worked really the best for me was to respect everyone I worked with, regardless of, of what their treatment was to me. I found that the more I respected them, the more respect that I received. Um, so I think sometimes we just need to get out of ourselves first.
0: I would find that having a cattle prod usually gains a whole healthy lot of respect. But then, then again, I spent two years working in a slaughterhouse, in a So,
4: you know, cattle prod really helps. You know, it's... <laughs> What's so.
2: interesting, not about your slaughterhouse by all means, but you know, um, I think Holly and I both really tried to um, rightfully so give credit to men in the same type of business and that we're all really equal in managing people and creating vision and stuff. Um, but there was the Harvard Business Review article, Fred, that you had sent me, um, and what I was shocked to see is that out of these 16 competencies that they measured for overall leadership effectiveness, that women rated higher in, in, fully in 12 of the 16 competencies. Which I was like, kind of shocked. It seemed like a lot. Um, and the two key ones that were different in the highest the highest degree was to take an initiative and driving for results. And I found that to be very interesting because, you know, I came out of a male-dominated industry as well. And, um, you know, I can tell you very frequently when a woman is in that type of an industry that's male-dominant and you drive for results, you are not considered to be aggressive. You are not considered uh, to be driving for results. You are riding a broom to work, you know. And so there's definitely a paradigm shift, I think, that we all need to do, um if you haven't been through a lot of the HR, you know, warm, fuzzy, as I call it, skills to understand that, you know, we, I think women tend to speak differently, we carry ourselves differently, and therefore uh, a lot of times are perceived to be, uh, you know, the girl on the broom when really we're just trying to get the same things accomplished. And, you know, we may not go hang out and drink beer after work, although I may, but um, a lot of women may not. That's not what they do. That's not what their priority is. And so these, you know, good old boy networks and things are changing. Whether it's in corporate America, whether it's in small town, you know, small business kind of thing, um, I think just as a workforce in general, it's evolving.
0: So um, I, I'm, 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 I get the last comment here because we're going to go to the the caller we have. I'll just tell you that. Uh, As a male who's driven by driven for results, yeah, there's been a whole lot of times I've been called a whole lot of nasty names. (laughs) So, say, caller, uh, tell us who you are.
4: My name's Rebecca.
0: Hi, Rebecca. Where are you located?
4: Uh, I'm in San Diego, California. I really appreciate you guys handling this issue around women in franchising. I think it's a uh, topic that needs to be addressed more frequently. So thank you, Fred, Frank. Thank you, A, for addressing it.
0: You're welcome. I do have a question.
4: I, I do have product. a question for the ladies. <laughs> well, for. So the question, the question is women as a whole don't value themselves as much as men do. And this shows up in how much they ask for a salary or, you know, they're out doing a job. So the question, I guess, to Kristen is, as a franchisee or noticing other franchisees and Molly Maids, do you notice that those that are in franchising tend to value themselves more in terms of the prices they are setting, et, et cetera, Uh, than if they were starting their own maid service, as an example. And then to Holly, the same question, uh, to prospective franchisees and current franchisees, how does this play out, this um, I don't value myself as much as a woman
2: as what a man might value
4: themselves? I I think that,
2: yeah, I I agree with you. I do think that um, having a franchise and having a system behind you helps you portray. So for me, for example, I came out of a home improvement industry. Now I'm doing a home service maintenance type industry. That wasn't my plan. That's not why I chose what I chose. But in any brand that you buy, it's always kind of the more you know, the more you're worth, I feel. And it's kind of also the old adage, the better you dress, the better you feel, the better you carry yourself. So I know that if I'm going out to meet with a client, I already know everything about the products. I already know everything about my girls. I know the extent of which we do training. I know why we use the type of towels, for example, and the type of soap that I use. And I understand when I look at something, well, this is simply not a housekeeping issue. This is a home maintenance issue. And so I think if you go in and you're very open and you can um, relate to the client and you really know what you're talking about – Um, you carry a confidence about you, you carry a professionalism about you, and it's very different than, um, getting a flyer in the mail that says, I clean your house for $20, you know, just as a bad example. You know, we have very professional things that the franchisor provides for us in terms of marketing, um. Do we all clean toilets? Yes, we do. But I believe there's a very big difference in Susie down the street who does it versus a Molly Maid who comes in and does it. Um, The approach is different. The level of service is different. um, And I think having knowledge is what empowers women and anybody, quite frankly, because, you know, you could be a man who's never cleaned a toilet in your life and go in and and really sell a Molly Maid service, right? Um, But I think that the knowledge that a franchisor gives you, again, whether it be a Molly Maid or whether it be any other franchise, and I think one mistake that a lot of franchise owners make is not reaching out and not using all the resources that a franchisor provides Um, because there's a lot to be learned not only from the franchisor but also from your neighboring franchisees that create um, you becoming the true professional in your particular category. I hope that answered your question.
0: Uh, works for me. I will Thank just you. say that if I never clean the toilet again in my life I'll be happy.
2: Mm. Oh, so, Holly,
3: sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that was a a really brilliant question, Rebecca. Thank you for asking that. Um I, I think I think you just hit the nail on the head. Why franchising is a really fantastic opportunity for women um, when they're in the workplace. If they feel intimidated in a certain way, maybe that's from conditioning. You know, um, you know, our our 40 to 50 somethings. You know, the, their mothers are, were generally at home and their fathers worked. You know, it was a different. It's 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 um a, a different social. Um, network, and so maybe I don't know what the reasons are, um, but I think I, I do see that. And so, when you're in the workplace and a woman is, you know, maybe not um, as confident to ask for a raise, maybe not as assertive in a boardroom because of just the nature of her personality, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but maybe when this same woman can get her own business and she's out on her own and independent, she's able to. Um, to declare herself as who she is and become, you know, more more of the woman she was born to be because she doesn't feel that she has um, maybe the, the competition. I mean, I, as a child, I was always taught, you know, very much to respect men, uh, my father, you know, my, my brother, in a, in a positive way. This was all a very good light, um, like, you know, and, and the men also respected us, but we were definitely two different sexes. And, and with that being said, you know, when, when I was in the workforce, you know, I wore a dress and I was as female as I ever wanted to be and, and, and fully female, um, but I still had strength and, and, and still maintained my own integrity. But I definitely, definitely had times that it was very difficult to, to push something, um, maybe because of my conditioning and my childhood conditioning, maybe just because of what I felt was um, a difference in my personality. Um and and when, you know, I went into business for myself, those those issues faded and uh, the female franchise owners that I work with, um, some in, you know, reselling their businesses, some in buying businesses, um definitely uh seem to come into their own when they they have that opportunity to really um flower, if you will, in their own business.
1: So
0: we've only got about five
1: minutes left. Ray, you got a last question? I don't necessarily have a question, but sort of a comment because it kind of brought to mind uh, my wife and I would always discuss about her coming into the business when she was working outside of it. And she'd always tell me, you know, I'm, not, I'm really not cut out for that. And that kind of brings to mind, you know, what you're saying about women in general. But, you know, and of course, it affects men, too. People don't know what their capabilities are until they come to the point where they need to have them. And in Martha's case, um, she needed to come into the business and, uh, because of her job situation. And when she did, it was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this woman. She just okay. took over like she been running it for years and years. And, and her abilities just outshined every, so much of what I, I knew about her. And, and it, it, was just, it was truly amazing just to watch her. You mean overcoming adversity creates character? Absolutely. Wow. Thank so you. Yeah. <laughs> I was really proud of her. Really, really proud.
2: Sometimes so, you just don't know how high high could be. You know, you just don't know until you get out there and try it.
1: Absolutely.
0: Or until you step out of the airplane without a parachute. <laughs>
2: Let's hope um, that doesn't happen. You can do
3: that for all of us. <laughs>
0: I've actually stepped out of an airplane with four times without a parachute on my back. I had somebody else on my back, but it's a parachute on their back. But, so you look down and you go, there's only one way to get down, and then it's falling. So at this point, when I ask Kristen, how do people get a hold of you?
2: Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook, um, uh, mollymadeofbloomingdale.com. Uh, we have a Facebook page again with Molly made of Bloomingdale out there. Those are probably the best ways. And I think under uh, LinkedIn it's uh, Kristen Shalmetsy, S-E-L-M-E-C-Z-Y.
0: And just so our listeners know, um, you do not only residential cleaning, but you do commercial cleaning.
2: We correct? do. We do residential and commercial. That is correct.
0: Awesome.
2: Holly, we've just how expanded do people
3: get
0: a hold of the... Holly?
3: Yep, I'm here.
0: get a hold of you? And why are they getting a hold of you? Uh,
3: how did or they get a hold of why? Well, they can... They, why first? Um, well, I you know with uh, I do a couple of things. One, um, I do new uh, franchise consulting and help help uh, people find great franchises and good um, synchronous uh, opportunities. Uh, and then my company, Zarian Firm, um, we are an international business brokerage where we connect um, premium premium businesses with um, with great 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 buyers. So. Um, there, there is uh, also another uh, little wing that we've just started, which is franchising your business, which has been a lot of fun helping some guys get get moving on taking their you know pretty unique concepts and and get and get um, some great retirement uh, equity built up. Um, but you can get hold of me right now. Um, we, you know the best way to do it. Um, you can catch me through LinkedIn, obviously, and then Facebook. But I'm, I'm Holly A. Ford. Holly A. Ford. Um, but shoot an email to me if you need anything at all. It's Holly, H-O-L-L-Y, at Zarian Firm. It's Z-A-R-I-A-N, firm.com. And then uh, you can also contact me by phone, 513-828-9810.
0: All right, folks. So we're winding on down. We want to definitely thank all of our listeners. Thank Rebecca for calling in and making such a great question and putting our, our guests on the spot. That's about as ambush as we get. <laughs> letting our callers do. Um, You can find us on at least 16 different podcast listening tools. They're all listed on Pillars of Franchising, where very soon you'll be able to uh, hear the downloaded version of this. We'll be back next week at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, and 3 p.m. Mountain Time, or basically all the same time. Broadcasting the Secrets of Success, this is Pillars Pillars of Franchising. I'm Fred McMurray and <laughs> right. we're gonna bring you more success next. Week. Thanks folks and have an awesome, awesome, awesome I gotta find the music. Uh weekend. <laughs>
2: Thanks for having us guys. Yeah,
3: thank you.